It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the program. With me in the KFG studios, two other CFPs. It's coincidence. Just kidding. <laughs> Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Well, the stock market just went from unusually calm to crazy amount of turbulence in just a short amount of, uh, of days here, short amount of time. And uh, we're, we're going to be covering today what's causing this market volatility and what's the best way to manage it. That and more coming up on this episode of Wise Money. I think those are the central questions, right? Hey, where did this come from? And well, how can I get out of it? <laughs> like, how can I how can I manage the volatility because it's trickier this time? We're going to help you with all of that in the context of your overall financial plan. So, if you have a question for us, we'd love to hear from you. If you need some help, some help with your taxes, whatever, we are here. You can call or text us five seven four two 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 thousand. That's five seven four. 222-2000, online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Yeah, okay, it's been an extremely bumpy ride to start the year. That's, uh, I don't think I can say it any better than that. It's just been volatile, and, you know, not to pull like what others would do and say, well, we told you so, but we had been saying, brace for some volatility. There's some clashing of some monetary policies and reality. Um, there's some clashing of some valuations and reality. And, uh, and and yeah, it could get a little bumpy. Well, it got bumpy. And this unique this, this week has been extremely unique. We're calling it audible. The original plan for the show today was to talk about the way assets pass, and that, that content will be coming later on the Wise Money Show. But instead, we want to start with the volatility this week. And uh, I mean, even money, we could we could spend an entire show talking about what happened Monday. OK, so, guys, let's first talk about the price action, what's happened with the markets, uh, and, and then we'll get into the why and all that. Well, as you've said, uh, we saw a lot of volatility this week, but but it's really been happening throughout the year. It's painful when the volatility goes negative. Right. Yeah. We, we love it when volatility is going in the right direction and things are moving quickly. We we had a lot of that last year. Big moves upward over a long period of time. Not a lot of negative days um, or, or stretches last year. So coming into this year, I, I don't know. Maybe investors weren't fully uh, braced for it. Yeah. You know, emotionally. But you you have a day like Monday where uh, you know the market could be down a thousand points, but then still end the day positive. Yeah. Um, that. That was uh, quite a head fake there. That's uh, that's just to put that in context. When there's that big of a drop during the day and and to finish the day positive, that only happens in the most extreme environments. That's not a normal thing. And and if you weren't watching the markets or hadn't heard an update or whatever, you just looked at the close and oh, that's a normal day. But then you heard the news and and it was anything but. The company that that's in is uh, is is 2008. That happened twice where that was there were there's that big of a drawdown just to finish flat, um, and once or twice in 2000, and then twice in October of 1987, Black Black Monday. So this bad company, okay, but we didn't just see that reversal on Monday, which we can talk about more. We've then seen a reversal pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Every every day this this week, um, there's been a either overnight hours where the markets were way down, and then they 
were up at some point to start the day and then finished on a down, or there was some sort of extreme reversal. Mm-hmm. To put this in context, as far as the number of days where there's been a reversal, I think this puts us in one of the rarest categories ever of, of sequential days where there's been a, a, a 2% move intraday. And then the last thing, and I'm going to open up, Kevin looks like he's got something quality to say here. Um, that last year, the total drawdown, so from a high point to a low point in the S&P 500 was just 5%, a, a drop of 5% from a high point to a low point. That makes it one of the least volatile years ever on record. On average, it's about a 14% drop, okay? Guys, on Monday alone, the NASDAQ moved 5% on Monday, <laughs> right? We didn't see that all year in the in the stock market. Uh, on Monday, we saw a 5% swing within the NASDAQ, and certainly it's been you know, uh, all, all indexes have surpassed that 5% threshold. So, Kevin, what, how else would you uh, add some perspective here to how the markets have moved this week? Well, it's, if, you, um, if you want to enjoy your life, don't look at the stock market. I think that, <laughs> that is, if, if there's a moral to this story, like what, <coughs> what is it? And because it is, it's a very confusing time when you watch the stock market and the market's up 300 points all day long. And you're like, oh, sweet. Well, you know, who, what, do, what do we have to worry about? And, uh, you know, all these people are buying the dip. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, Robin Hood, uh, the stock went from 85 down to 11, which is, it's only, an, what's the 83% decline? That hurts, huh? Yeah, but, I mean, so the, these these people are all, Buying the dip. Well, the people that were, have been buying the dip for a long time don't seem to be buying the dips. And, and when you see these these movements, these severe movements, at the end of the day, within an hour, it's the it's the large institutional money driving uh, these these changes. Yeah. So so there has been this this phenomenon over the past really eighteen months where. It, the quote unquote the optimists or the bulls have been in charge and more driving the market and you'd see a lot of that late session action pushing things higher and the sentiment yeah completely changed at least this week now typically so this amount of volatility in such a short amount of time is unusual but these levels of pullback and this level of drop is absolutely part of the experience. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a feature. It's a, it's a feature. It's not like a thrill, like, hey, every once in a blue moon you'll have this. Nope. This is part of it. It, it just is. It's, um, it's, it's normal. It's, except since really since 2009 when the Fed's balance sheet was about $800 billion to where it is today at nine trillion nine with a t so and really you go from 2018 which was the last time the fed yeah. started doing this their balance sheet was at four trillion right mm-hmm. so all all of a sudden you say all right this is a feature of the stock market well the stock market hasn't always been used to having this stimulus and so and then and then being told that they're getting it the, taken the away. party's over right, right. <clears throat> yeah the punch bowl's being taken away here um, so, so we keep talking about this being a part of history. What we're talking about is uh, the phenomenon that's not really a phenomenon. It's a correction. Yeah. It happens regularly. And we, we define a correction traditionally as, well, that's when the stock market is down 10% in a stretch of time. From its peak to down 10%, how often does that happen? 
if that uh, correction keeps on going in the wrong direction and keeps on sliding, eventually it can turn into a bear market. And typically we define that as down 20% from, from its peak. And uh, these things happen on a regular basis. And it's one of those things that as an investor, especially a long-term investor with long-term goals that you're trying to achieve with long-term investments, you need to be ready for this kind of a roller coaster ride. These corrections happen at almost every year at one point or another. Technically, they're about a year and a half apart on average. But it is, it is very frequent that yep. we have a 10% pullback. And it is very frequent to be down 10% and still end the year positive. Oh yeah, three fourths of most of the years that you're in, you're invested in the stock market, you're going to end positive. Yeah, yeah. I like those odds, right? <laughs> there's, I'll take that all day. There, there's a lot more stats that that we're going to throw at you really quick. But then the most important thing is putting this in context. You know, so is this volatility that we've seen here? We've just said it's more. It's unusual in how quick it is, but it's very normal in the in the grand scheme of things. Should we expect more of it? What's driving it? Kevin mentioned the Fed and, and interest rate changes. We're going to get into all that. They obviously had a big meeting this week, so we'll share that. But more importantly then, what do you do about it? How do you manage volatility? So that and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The market's been extremely volatile this week, and, and it's been a bumpy ride to start the year. How do you manage volatility in your finances? How do you do that? We're helping you with it right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out, uh, along with a lot of other content as well. If you're thinking about it in your financial life, odds are we've, we've created some content on it, some helpful content. So go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, follow us there. Okay, so we've been talking about the market action. It's been a, a wild, it's been a wild week, okay? And these types of drawdowns um, are fairly normal. Josh was just educating us on that. That's that's corrections. That's a drop of 10%. Happens about every 18 months, every year and a half. The recovery after them is typically a couple of months. They don't last long. It's very normal to have a correction and still have a positive year in the market. Um, on Monday... The S&P 500 entered correction territory, but didn't finish there. It Everything came back. In fact, at one point on Monday, the three of us were meeting, and I think Kevin said, yeah, the market has erased all the gains since October. And I pulled up the chart and refreshed it and said, actually, all the way to May. <laughs> and so, and then it recovered all that, right? <laughs> and so, uh, but the small caps are in correction territory. And so this is fairly normal. NASDAQ has gotten a huge pounding. The big question, though, is... We've had we've had two uh, kind of events this this week. Okay, one is we've entered uh, we've we've entered correction territory, so people are on lookout for a bear market. A bear market is a drop of twenty percent. Those are less frequent, of course, than a drop of ten percent, but they still happen. On it's a, it's a part of being an investor, and being a successful investor doesn't mean you've got to avoid those. You can't like that's that's the point. So mm -hmm. that's just they're going to happen, okay? Um, but every four years or so, four to five. But the question though is, it it is very rare that a bear market would happen outside of a recession. Typically, those are connected. Now I have in front of me the last few times we've had a drop of twenty percent or more. That was not connected to a recession. 
2018, Kevin referenced, and we're going to get into this in just a second. This is the last time the Fed was trying to pull off what they're doing now. There was a drop of 19.8%. There was not a recession, and technically that wasn't even a bear market because we didn't hit that 20%. Mm -hmm. 2011, same thing. We had a drop of 19.4%. I know we all remember that too. 98, there was a drop of 19.3%. Still, no, no bear market, no recessions. In 1987, that was Black Monday, that was all the chaos there, there was a drop of 33%. There was no, there was no bear market, or no recession. Um, 1976, there was a drop of 19%, no recession there. And 1966, there was a drop of 22%, no recession. So typically, so we're going to see volatility even if we don't have a recession, an economic contraction in the economy um, for two straight quarters. Okay, but it seems unlikely with GDP. That's that second event that happened this week, that second announcement with GDP at its highest level in decades. It's hard to imagine we're going to slip very quickly into a recession and therefore these drawdowns will be more sustained. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we don't know. No one knows the future. But our expectation, at least right now, is the economy it, it, the markets are at a very tricky state because of the Fed and interest rates and all of that. We're going to see some volatility. However, the likelihood that we slip into a recession and a prolonged drop in the market seems unlikely. Yeah. You know, these two different terms, bear market, where we're talking about the stock market being down 20% versus recession, which is talking about the broader economy. I think you've got to ask yourself the question, well, which one matters to me personally? And that all depends. You know, if, if you're one of the individuals that in a recession loses their job or, you know, your industry is rocked uh, because of the recession, there's just a, a reduction in the amount of business activity that's going on and you feel that in your own personal life, that would be a concern. But all of us who are investors for the future, who have money in mutual funds or in your retirement at work, you care potentially maybe more about the bear market just because of what it does to your own personal balance sheet. It messes with your emotions is the biggest thing. Yeah, No one likes to see their investment statements showing smaller and smaller balances from quarter to quarter or even month to month. And so this is a time, I, I would argue that we need to pay more attention to what the volatility in the stock market is doing to us than a potential recession. For all the reasons you just said, is the potential recession even that big of a concern right now? Probably not. Um, this is more about how do you make sure you don't do the wrong thing if we continue to see more volatility in the market? Yeah. Yeah. Recession is when your neighbor loses his job and a depression is when you lose yours. <laughs> so w when you when you when you think about this, Josh, I mean, you're talking about what does the stock market going down do to my own personal balance sheet? And there are really two camps, the, the folks that are accumulating, because if you're in the accumulating phase, you should be cheering the stock market down. I mean, this this you should have had a great January because you you are now able to purchase things on a ten percent off sale. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so this should be exciting. And when um, when I hear myself saying that, I think, well, what an insensitive oaf! Like, <laughs> how in the world could you even talk like that when people are looking at at this um, and looking at their balances and and their uh, it's a little depressing or discouraging. And if you if for your long term money, if your long term money is going up and down, that's that's OK. It's mm -hmm. going to it should do what you need it to do over the long term. And so 
a daily value of that is not going to help you. That's right. Okay, so the question begs, okay, what's causing the volatility then? We've already mentioned the Fed and, and interest rates. Essentially, there's a clash between the Fed's policy, the monetary policy that the Federal Reserve has enacted since, you could argue since 08, mm-hmm. but certainly, certainly since March of 2020, um, that's caused inflation. And now there's this there's this um, headwind that has been created, and the Fed has to choose to either deal with inflation, which could hurt the stock market, or try to keep the stock market okay and hope inflation isn't as bad as what it certainly appears to be. So mm-hmm. if the Fed fights inflation, they're fighting the stock market. Likely, the stock market won't like it. Um, if they ignore inflation, it hurts everyone. I just heard this recently that you know the the number of people that have expo- the number of households in America that have exposure to the stock market is near all time highs, which is also a, a red flag of some at some level. Um, but the number of households that are affected by inflation that's one hundred percent. <laughs> That's 100%. And really, what's the Fed's job then? To help that high percentage, but maybe it's 60% of households that have stocks, or to help the 100% of households that are dealing with inflation? It should be inflation. That's their mandate, is employment, which impacts everyone, and inflation, stable prices, which impacts everyone. And it and it does seem, and I'm getting a little preachy here, but it does seem that they've had their eye on a different ball. That's exactly right. And it is puzzling. And it's it's why so many market pundits and, um, you know, various so-called experts that are always watching the Fed, looking for their posturing and their change in, in policy direction. Uh, many people are saying, hey, they are behind the eight ball here. Yeah. Um, they're, they're behind schedule. They haven't done what they needed to do to rein this in. And now they're going to have to play a more aggressive game in order to deal with it. And uh, it's it's the realization with the Fed coming out and kind of showing their hand that, oh, you know, maybe inflation isn't quite as transitory as we've thought it has been. We're going to have to have a humble approach and uh, and learn from this market. Uh, to me, that's kind of uh, Fed speak for, oops, we screwed up. Yeah. And we're going to have to start raising interest rates. That is a jolt to the markets because they're having to adjust their expectations. So the Fed had their two-day meeting and made their announcements this, this Wednesday. We'll share what they said, the implications, but then ultimately this is going to get down to what should you be doing with your money. That and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How do you manage the market volatility that we've seen this week and to start the year? Is there adjustments you need to make to your investments? Is there a different approach you need to take? We're helping you with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at. We are there as well. Okay, so we've been talking about the market volatility. This is a a, a curveball. We were planning on having a different discussion about financial planning, but all the chaos this week, we wanted to talk about it. But you know, this is a show about financial planning. So it doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye and you should turn a blind eye to the investments. Um, Although sometimes that might be helpful. As Kevin mentioned, you know, if you look on a daily basis, about 50% of all days in the stock market are negative. Okay. But if you look on an annual basis, what? Only 
one out of every eight or so is negative. So how often do you want to be disappointed? <laughs> how often? So do you want to look at your investments every day and be disappointed half the days? Or do you want to look at your investments less frequently and, and in, instead just make sure that you're, you've got the right strategy and that the strategy and the risk you're taking fits with your financial plan? That's what we'd recommend. But how do you manage the volatility right now? Is it going to continue? Oh, well, I'll just hit that really quick. I think it very well could. We, we've got we've got the Federal Reserve that has um, there's dovish and hawkish. Hawkish. Dovish is they're you know being gentle. They're being nice. They'll be soft. Hawkish is you know Kevin. You've got chickens, right? You know mm-hmm. you know I hawks are amazing the animals, but enemy. But uh, but they're aggressive. <laughs> and so the Fed's tone this week. Everyone was thinking because of the volatility they were going to come off and be a little softer. Nope, hard as 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 he could be in my opinion. Market's now expecting four interest rate increases from the Fed this year. And lots of pundits are thinking the first one won't be a normal uh, 0.25 increase. It'll be a 50 uh, a fifty basis point increase. That's what they're thinking. They're also thinking that they're going to start trying to run off their balance sheet, that they actually think there's lots of people in, in Wall Street that think the Fed's going to start trying to reduce their balance sheet later this year. And so I I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. You know, they're going to have a market temper tantrum to deal with and likely they'll back they'll back off. But so all that to say that's going to create some volatility, but the other thing is corporate earnings. Thus far, we're very early in the season, but there's been some big misses and there's been some hits, but there's some some uh forecasting of yeah, it might not be as good as uh, you know of of a year this year as we were hoping. That's going to create some volatility. So what do you do about it? How do you manage volatility right now? Because the tools that used to be at your disposal aren't really as attractive as they used to be. You know, it would be tempting to start talking about, well, which types of investments do better in an inflationary environment or which ones will insulate you from volatility and everything. But to me, the first place you have to go is uh, internal, introspective into your own behaviors and recognizing that the most important way or the the strongest way for you to take advantage of volatility and and actually turn it into a positive is with your own behavior. And I'm talking about your own savings rate, your own steady contributions to investments. Because when you are a buyer during inflationary times, Kevin was alluding to earlier how you essentially get to buy stocks on sale right now. Yep. And that's a good thing. Now, that's hard to do if you're making a decision every time you pull the trigger to purchase investments. It's better to have that on autopilot so that it's happening regularly, steadily at, at regular intervals, whether that's every paycheck or every month, some sort of a systematic and scheduled way to be buying into the market so that as we hit these temporary dips, and we do emphasize these are temporary dips, mm-hmm. you are a buyer at the right time. And so to, to me, going back to your own financial plan and making sure that you are focused on uh, how much should I be contributing for me to achieve my long-term goals, that's, that's what's going to keep you in the game. It's the focus on where you're headed in your financial life, not on these short-term ups and downs that we're talking about. So, so kind of key takeaway right there, because I completely agree, if you're in accumulation mode, if you're still investing, this volatility should be your friend. Your, your friend for your long-term return. Maybe not your friend and your emotions, but new dollars continue to invest appropriately, not speculatively, but appropriately for your financial life. Don't, don't shy away from, these, from the volatility with new contributions. 
Yeah, and I would say make sure you have a coach because in fearful times like this, it's tempting to run to what feels like safety or comfort. And an example of that might be to say, hey, I've got some money in the bank. I'm going to reduce this money in the bank and pay off debt. Well, in an inflationary time, paying off debt with today's dollars might not be the the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I would be always slow to tell someone don't pay off debt. But what does inflation mean? It means I started with a dollar in 2021, and at the end of the year, I had 93 cents. That's that's what inflation did to me. But the the problem is that's not what it did to me because inf- that's what the CPI did. But everyone has their own personal inflation rate, and that does depend on the basket of goods and services that you're buying. So as you as you analyze your financial life, and if you feel well prepared to do this on your own, great. Most folks just aren't. So you want to be running this past your financial coach saying, hey, are there moves that I should be making? I'm, I'm going to be buying a car. Should I be paying that car off uh, or, or buy it with cash? Or for the first time, should I get a loan on this car? Okay, so let me let's let's bring it back to market volatility. Then, it, it, so so if you're shifting dollars, um, I guess how if someone's looking at making some adjustments or allocations within their their um, their accounts, how do you manage today's volatility? It, it, are bonds an attractive option at all, or or do you consider cash? Or or I mean, though both of those options used to be decent alternatives or decent at this job, and they're not as attractive anymore. Well, right now, with where interest rates are, when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Mm -hmm. So if you said, hey, I'm going to um, go to safety and I'm going to go to bonds, um, your safety asset might be flat or negative for a year, Mm -hmm. quite possibly, or more. So. with new dollars, make sure you're contributing it's still appropriate to your risk, but don't shy away. Don't look at this and say, well, geez, I'm looking at my January statement. The money I put in, I lost all of that. No, 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 no. Continue to invest in, in aggressive investments, but be diversified with your overall balance and make sure you've got the right strategy. If you're five years out from retirement and still have that diversification 100% in stocks, reconsider that with your financial advisor, okay? Yep. Look at, should you be 80-20? Should you be 70-30? Make sure you rebalance. Right now might be a good time to rebalance, right? With the stock market dropping so quickly uh, and shifting some dollars around. Uh, for bond investments, the outlook on bonds isn't nearly as rosy as what you're going to see historically over the past 40 years, okay? Doesn't mean you should avoid them at all costs. The future expected return is lower right now. However, they do help manage volatility. And like Josh and I can attest, you could expect interest rates to rise your entire career and it might (laughs) never happen, okay? So don't avoid bonds like the plague. Make sure you've got the right strategies though. Make sure you've got the right strategies and that fits with your overall risk level and that fits with your overall financial plan. You said it well. The last thing that I would tell you, when the stock market gets volatile, that's a reminder that your financial life should not be volatile. Are you running your personal financial, uh, your personal finances too close to the edge right now because things looked really good and felt really comfy, felt really easy? They don't anymore. They don't. 
The market's gotten very volatile. This is a great time to make sure you've got stability in your financial life, that you've got a three bank account system, you've got a fully funded emergency fund, you're not taking on too much debt, you know what your long-term financial goals are and you're saving appropriately for them. Your insurance plan and protection plan is all set up and, and taken care of, your estate plan's taken care of. You've got stability in your financial life. To me, that's the best way to handle volatility in the stock market. All right, we've got more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us today. This is The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money shows on uh, on podcasts. Go check us out wherever you listen. Just search Wise Money Show. Over the break there, you know, every episode is on YouTube. Kevin was singing as well. I had a blooper moment as well. So you can check that out on YouTube. Search Wise Money Show. <laughs> Follow us there as well. All right. So we've been talking about the market volatility. We've been talking about uh, then what's causing it, whether it's going to continue. But the real point is, how do you manage volatility in your overall financial life? And the first thing is the the market volatility, that's a feature. That's part of being an investor, okay? So yes, does this time feel a little bit unique because it's so quick and things have been so calm? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. But it's not, this is not the first time that's ever happened. We still have uh, historical um, records where we can look back and say, yep, this happened this time and this time and this time. So it's just part of being an investor. So the biggest point is, make sure that your overall financial life is structured so this is just a nothing burger. So this is just not a non-event that you know exactly what you need to be doing in your financial life and that some short-term market volatility, temporary market volatility doesn't throw you off course. You're still saving the right amount. You're still doing the blocking and tackling in your financial life, which is you know the budgeting and the emergency fund and that sort of stuff. You're not accumulating too much debt. You've, you've calculated where you're supposed to be and how much you should be contributing for your goals and you're on track with that. That's most important. Then if we look at the one-sixth of your overall financial life, that is investment planning, it's one of six areas, make sure that you're using, number one, the right strategies. If you are a, an investor and you've been trading, you're having an identity crisis right now, okay? Mm -hmm. We've said before, there's a saver, there's an investor, and there's a trader, okay? You get in trouble when you're one of them and trying to be someone else, mm -hmm. okay? If you're a saver, hey, I don't like any volatility, I just wanna put the money in the bank, you've gotta have a discussion with your certified financial planner to say, can you reach your goals just being a saver? And if you can, I mean, we've worked with some, if you can, great, great. But if you need to be investing some, then you've got to do a little bit of that as a saver. But I think more likely right now or the season that we've been in the last 18 months, savers have tried to speculate in trading and investors have tried to speculate in trading. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Make sure it's consistent with your overall financial plan. So have the right strategies. Make sure you're taking the right level of risk. This is not a time to get overextended. If the tide does really go out, make sure you're wearing a swimsuit. Okay. So how do you do that? Work with your CFP, look at your financial plan, make sure you're taking the right level of risk for your goals. And then lastly, yeah, the things that you would typically do to manage volatility, add a little bit more to bonds, add a little bit more to cash, they're not as attractive anymore. It doesn't mean you need to avoid those, but you might need to look at some other instruments, some other tools to manage volatility, some fixed accounts, maybe a hedged 
a, a way of hedging uh, the, the overall stock market. There's some unique tools there. A, a momentum strategy for bonds, a momentum strategy for some of your from some of your equity investments. It's going to take a little bit um, more than maybe it did 20 years ago to manage volatility, simply because it's uh, these are. You know, the money you hold in cash, you're losing ground because of inflation. The money you hold in interest in and in bond investments, if interest rates go up, you're going to get, you know, hurt. So it, you, you just got to take a more proactive approach, work with your CFP on and that. And the money you're holding in stocks, if the Fed continues to do have their taper tantrum. And so a couple of things, they're, they're going to stop buying asset-backed securities and bonds and other things. And they're going to raise interest rates. The thing is, we're at zero to 0.25 right now. They would need to raise interest rates beyond two percent to make it so that it's. I mean, with interest rates below two percent, it it is it is it's still stimulative. It, it right? is gates open. Yeah, yeah. Uh, full stimulus, <laughs> all stimulus all the time. I what I saw yesterday. I, I think they're eyeing the Fed funds rate being at two percent by the end of twenty twenty three, so the end of next year. That's how quickly they want to increase things, and in. that's very different than how they were posturing even at the end of last year. Yeah, the, the that was less than a month ago. The message on Wednesday was this is going to be a different approach to normalizing, which we, you we all know they're not going to be able to bring it back to normal. Yeah. Since 2008, they made sure of that. It's not going to go back to normal. They are going to play this game of chicken. I, I, I can't, I, I can't picture a way they get out of this. I think we're going to be playing this game of chicken forever. I think you know. So how how much can the Fed get hawkish or get aggressive before the market hates it and the inevitable contraction in the economy occurs? The Fed alone, it's. Anyway, I don't think directly causes a, a recession, but it will happen. There will be contractions in the economy. That that will happen. Um, but how how aggressive can the Fed be until the market forces them to change, and then they change and they get accommodating again, and then they try to get? It's not going to go back to normal. Mm -hmm. It's not. There's been a marked change since '08. I, I agree. So so I go back to the. the I mean, the, the thing that I love about working with Josh and Mike is that um, whenever I'm feeling down or confused, they have a great word. And Mike's word today was, hey, just because the markets are chaotic doesn't mean your personal financial life should be chaotic. Mm -hmm. So this, the, the antidote to chaos is order. So make sure in your own personal financial life there is order. And so if I was sitting with you today, we're over a cup of coffee, and I said, hey, is there order in your financial life? If you couldn't give a definitive, absolutely. For sure, yes. Yeah. Then I would I would make 2022 the year in which you pursued order in your financial life. You know, one of the specific places that you might need to do something tangible, something proactive to pursue order, as you're saying, is in the area of budgeting. Um, you know, having order on where is your money going, and this might feel completely out of your control right now because of the inflation. It's like every time you go to the grocery store, you're shocked by, first of all, the empty shelves and the prices on the stuff that are actually stocked, right? And you might feel like, hey, this thing's just out of my control. 
but you do still have influence. You still have choices that you can be making on where you're going to cut. Get rid of the waste out of your financial life. There may be some dollars that you're spending every single month that are bringing no joy, no benefits, no satisfaction to your financial life. It's just money out, out the door because over time, we start to get a little bit lax in our finances and a little bit sloppy. And uh, one of the rewards to those who can get control over their monthly spending is it does find margin in your financial life. It starts to create the ability to save money. And as we've been saying, you can't just save your way to your financial goals. You've got to invest your way to your financial goals. I saw a fantastic, very interesting chart on the Guide to the Markets uh, charts here recently. It's, it's something that JP Morgan puts out on a monthly and a quarterly basis. But it was comparing the spending level of the top 10 earners, so, so the top 10% of Americans with the biggest incomes, to the remaining 90%. Mm-hmm. And what it was showing is that the top 10% of income earners, they spend about 61% of their dollars after they've paid their taxes. So in other words, they save or invest 39% of their income. And that, that may seem shocking to you, but if your income gets high enough, eventually you've covered all your needs, you've got your wants, and then there's extra. And what are they doing with the extra? They're investing it. They're buying assets. Yeah. The other 90% are saving about 10%. That's a win, actually, in yeah. my opinion. There have been stretches of time during our careers where that's down in the 2-3% range. So to be at 10% is a win. And I, I guess I would ask you the question, where are you at? What percentage of your take-home pay are you spending versus accumulating for goals? What, what amount of margin do you have? If you're at 10%, I want to encourage you, it, it is within reach for you to get to 15%. Mm-hmm. But it's only within reach if you do exactly what Kevin was saying and bring order to your financial life. It may be that you need to right now uh, de- decide in your mind and begin with your actions to build a budget and start finding that margin. For if you want to go deeper on any of these topics that Josh is is talking about, go to the go to the Wise Money YouTube channel. We have a, a few segments that we've just published about how to inflation proof your life. That's one. Second is how to be financially healthy, not how to feel, because going back to that income level, apparently there was a study that came out recently that said Americans need to earn 122000 to feel financially healthy. That is garbage. It's yeah. absolutely a lie. That is, that is an absolute lie. And so and your feelings lie to you anyway, too. So how can you be financially healthy? There's content being dropped on the Wise Money YouTube channel this upcoming week about that. So so we want to help. Hopefully, this content has been helpful to you. I, I got to get into a question here, guys. I'm looking at a question from fans of the show. And uh, if there's time, we got to hit Missy's question, which is which was, uh, I think she posted on YouTube a few days ago. Um, just because I want to vicariously live through what she's doing here. So we want to keep our house in Alaska, paid it off a couple years ago, and buy a small house to winter in in Arizona. Would a traditional mortgage or a home equity loan be better, be a better deal? We plan to summer in Alaska and winter in Arizona. <laughs> Don't you guys want that life? You know, but- there's a lot of people that do that. At whatever it is, there's a lot of people that live in Arizona, but they have a house in Alaska. Love it. That, okay. Fascinating. So here's the interesting thing. I'll just I'll just start it off. The mortgage is going to be at a fixed rate for sure. 
and you yes. can fix that rate over 30 years or 15 or whatever, stretch that out. Now you can pay more on it, but that interest rate's gonna be fixed if we do see higher, higher interest rates. Mortgage rates have come up recently, but they've sort of stabilized this week, which is good. Um, home equity loan should be fixed as well, but they might not stretch it out as long as you want it to. They, they might only stretch it out 10 years, something it's like that. Probably not going to be as good of an interest rate too. And banking the difference between home equity loan and home equity line. But right now the play would be, Missy, if you, if you believe that inflation is going to keep going, you lock in the biggest, longest <laughs> mortgage that you can and then make that payment. Because again, I'm making that payment at the end of, 2021, it only cost me 93 cents to pay back a dollar. Yeah. And if that's if we're going to keep going at that rate, then you'd say, well, hey, that that dog will hunt. So mathematically, that works. Emotionally and cash flow wise, and a number of other things, is that the best idea? I don't know. I don't know what's so special though. Uh, you know, Missy's situation. I have a house in Michigan, and I work in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> That's, where do you summer? Where do you winter and where do you summer? <laughs> yeah, Be, in between Michigan yeah. and Indiana. So it sort of depends. Take take Kevin's comments about debt and inflation in the right perspective, i.e. working with your certified financial planner and applying it to your entire financial life. Sorry, I just hit the mic there. I, because you could get yourself in a lot of trouble saying, well, I'm just going to load up on debt right now because yes. of inflation. Yes. It's got to be proportionate, okay? You've got to make yes. sure that you're still financially healthy. I think the bigger question, Missy, then is um, what sort of down payment do you have on the new house? Will you need a home equity line out of your current home for that? And how long do you want to pay off the mortgage? What's your cash flow situation? What are your other goals? Because if you want to have that thing paid off in a short amount of time, it might crowd out other goals. So great question, Missy. I hope that helps. Uh, I hope the whole content was helpful. So, uh, But that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh and Kevin, myself, all of us at KFG, have a great week. And we'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated. All right. It wasn't Willie Nelson. It wasn't Willie Nelson? Who was it? No. Here, you want to restart? It was, it was Neil. No, let's keep going. It was Neil Young. No, we're restarting. Was it Neil Young? Yeah. I could have sworn it was Willie, Willie Nelson. We're restarting. Oh, man, take a look at my life. Yeah. All right. I'm a lot like you. <laughs> okay. Here we go. You're going to have to cut that. I see the needle and the damage done. But don't cut that. Yeah. Okay. That needs to be part of the show. Dude, that's Neil Young. I could have sworn Willie Nelson. Southern man Southern. don't need him around anyhow. All right. Here we go.